Hello, Commander, and welcome back to the Radio Sidewinder Talk Show. I'm Commander Felix Jefferson, and as usual, I'm joined by... I'm Commander Steven Atronach, and I want to apologize ahead of time if my voice sounds rather rough. I've actually been out enjoying some of the lovely rum that's been grated in Harma. Oh, what do you mean? Well, there was actually um, the Harma Silver Cartel, and maybe the name is not as mischievous as it sounds, but they were very uh, they were very insistent on that they were going to bring rum back to the galaxy, like rum that hasn't been had since early, early uh, Earth years before we really even reached the stars. The kind of rum that real pirates of the legends used to have. To each their own, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely not watered down. My goodness, my head is still <laughs> spinning. Uh, but it was pretty cool. I mean, they had a lot of people bringing in alcohol and a lot of people protecting alcohol, alcohol being brought in. It's kind of funny to think all these pirates are usually busy stealing stuff, and yet now they're actually protecting the <laughs> rum. Well, they might have still stolen some of the alcohol to deliver it to Harma, though. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's for a good cause. <laughs> it's probably one of the most, uh, one of the best community goals that the Pilots Federation has sponsored in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll have to fly out there and try some then. It sounds oh, like it's pretty intense. Make sure you're of space age. I'm yes, sorry. of course, Commander. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're pirates. They don't care. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was kind of fun, you know, a fun little a fun little thing for us to get involved in. There's been a lot of tension lately between the Empire and the Federation, and not even just the Empire and Federation, but uh, a few of the other superpowers have been involved in it. Um, the uh, faction of Yuri Grom, most notably joined up with the Empire in attacking Federation space. A lot of Felicia Winter's space went down because of it. Um, and a few other independent powers joined as well. Except for except for the pirates. The Kumo crew kind of <laughs> does whatever the Kumo crew wants to do. <laughs> yeah, they don't really follow traditional rules or regulations per se. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it seems like recently, though, the whole galaxy has been a little agitated with one another over the prolonged uh, encounters and back and forth and like Pleiades and mm. you know all that especially with the, th the possible threat of aliens yeah I mean it's 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 got to be it's got to be tough for both Federation and Empire powers alike because you've got the Empire which you know, originally was just a rebel group from the Federation, but is now as powerful, if not more powerful than the Federation. And it's just, at this point, it seems silly because there's so much space out there, but it's so expensive to really expand. So, you know, they're all like, who's really going to control humanity? Who's going to take humanity as a whole the next day? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, without any leadership it would just be anarchy which i guess for the people who follow the kumo likes of yuri grom yeah. and yeah the kumo crew that that would be fine <laughs> but for the general populace that's not really what everyone wants they want someone mm. to lead them and with all this going on yeah it's kind of to be hard. honest i mean while i have been involved in this war back and forth you know it's undermining and 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 you know providing materials for different people it's 
it's it's just not good for the Empire as a whole. I mean, if you look, they have problems at home. There's anarchy systems within Empire space and within Federation space and even within yeah. Alliance space that like are completely unregulated and they have like compromised navigation beacons where pirates just hang out waiting for a trader who needs to come in and scan the system yeah. and they're just waiting for them <laughs> you know and that's that's never fun and even if you do manage to like fend off like no one no one's motivated to go out there and help out these traders or anything like that because you go in there and you kill these pirates but it doesn't matter because there's no governing body in that system and no one really with any sort of real structure to pay you for taking out these pirates yeah which I mean I guess for some people that's kind of the beauty of it but yeah like you I mean there's really no point into expanding out unless there's a uh, actual force out there that requires your assistance at least in my, my look of it like I do a lot of bounty hunting and I mean yeah it's for a profit I mean but I mean I also do it a bit because you know I'm not a big fan of pirates or smugglers and you know I don't like them in my systems and I want to protect <laughs> the people who are you know making an honest living and wow, that's, that's just something I so do so strange like who would think of that <laughs> yeah but I'm not gonna risk you know the 16 million credits of of Anaconda just to defend some Type 9 who wandered into the wrong system. Um, <laughs> you know, in that point in time, you're kind of on your own. And even ship-launched fighters, you know, with the with the addition of the proper fighter bays refitted into some of these ships, it doesn't really help all that much when you've got, like, <laughs> six Vipers coming at you. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm glad that they, uh, you know, the, the, Federa- the Pilots' Federation, not the Federation did allow or did approve those modifications to go on because i mean even though it doesn't really help against like a large threat i guess even if it's like you sacrifice the fighter maybe it gives the the type 9 or whoever it may be a little bit of time to jump out and not make that mistake ever again Mm -hmm. i mean the fighters are definitely helpful it's a little extra damage you can inflict on your enemies and they have to worry about the fighter as well as you and it's yeah it's always a nice little thing to have there regardless of what you're doing though i mean you know you have to pay your pilots but it's not so bad they only take a small amount and i don't really mind they're doing work yeah exactly It, it would be worse if you had to you know pay them and they weren't actually doing anything yeah um i mean this whole superpower struggle, though, um, hopefully is going to take a bit of a backseat. Like, I'm I'm thinking with this clear, I mean, there's no really way we can deny it, um, Thargoid activity that's coming around. Um, more and more, has, more and more Thargoids have been spotted, more and more evidence of their imminent arrival, these bases that people have found, which are clearly growing something and have some serious, um, serious technology in them. All this is a threat to humanity as a whole. And yeah. what what it seems to be doing is bringing humanity together. Yeah, especially through the likes of Aegis. It seems like this new group, which uh, is actually a jointly founded organization from scientists throughout the entirety of the galaxy, regardless of pledge, there's scientists from the Federation, the Empire, the Alliance, and even some independent powers... But mostly the three superpowers, and they they decided to put their political 
agendas aside and really focus more on the uh, gathering of intelligence and, you know, researching the Thargoid bases and the structures and all the, all the, all that sort of stuff that's surrounding the Thargoid mystery right now. Yep. And we all know that they have their own motivations and uh, ideas about what they're going to do when the Thargoids come, but it is nice to see them working together in order to get as much information as possible. Um, I mean, you know, for a fact that the Federation's, th- their, their policy is like, oh yeah, let's shoot them as soon as we oh, see them. Oh yeah. yeah. They've Just publicly, shoot them. publicly stated that and the Empire is, is ready for battle but their first uh, encounter or their um, initial response is going to be to try to have a diplomatic solution and and the same thing for the uh, alliance with uh, Edmund Mahone and Jasmina Halsey is is there as well a very close advisor to him now which is interesting um, you know they're both stressing that we need to try to find a peaceful solution to these well these I mean some- that would obviously be the preferable option mm-hmm. because then we could just coexist and maybe they'll even you know transfer or uh, trade some information or some technology with us yeah they it would just be much some, better than war they clearly have some very advanced technology um, I mean the way that they can they can jump in and out of instances is, is insane yeah. <laughs> never seen anything like it and they just yeah. shut down our ships like right when they pop in. I don't even know how they're doing that, but yeah. it's pretty creepy. But it's cool. I mean, it's not even like they're giving like just random scientists in for it. I mean, they've got uh, Professor Alba Tesrau of the Akinar Research Council. I mean, she's, you know, like a big name. Oh, And yeah. she's not like some intern or something somewhere. I mean, she's a pretty respected scientist. She's got a lot of, um, you know, authority on the situation. So it's a pretty cool thing that they're willing to put that out there, willing to put some of their better people out there right yeah and hopefully with a big name like that joining in it will draw more people to working together especially with the aliens and the third yeah absolutely coming. yeah my my one my one worry about it would be um maybe one superpower um attempting to maybe sabotage another person's work or like gain extra information for themselves while leaving other people out of the loop you know stuff like that yeah, yeah, that that's definitely a risk, but hopefully it will be all good and they'll just actually yeah, work together. Well, it looks like it's about time that we take a quick commercial break. We'll be back in a couple minutes, Commander. citizen of the Federation, Empire, or Alliance? Are you tired of spending all hard-earned credit on expensive passenger tickets? Fly Cosmoflot Spaceflight is cheapest space lander. We have luxury equipped Type 9, and remember, Cosmoflot Spaceflight is top 1% of all space lander, but is in bottom 1% of space lander price. Fly Cosmoflot.
This hour of Radio Sidewinder is sponsored by Void Extract Coffee. We harness the power of the vacuum of space to enrich comet water and create a beverage noted for its unparalleled potency and flavor. Available in dark, medium, and light roast and brand new Void Extract Iced Coffee. It's the cold quaff with a kick. That's Void Extract Coffee. Welcome back, Commander, to the Radio Sidewinder talk show. It's kind of interesting because we were talking about all this, of course, the you know Cold War kind of coming to a bit of a a bit of a standstill, which is kind of funny to say about a Cold War, <laughs> um, due to some some power some some superpowers coming together to research Thargoids. Um, we at Radio Sidewinder, you know, are always interested in things going on in the galaxy, and of course, so. Yeah, so your two favorite talk show hosts actually went out ourselves to, to look at some of these a little while ago. Indeed we did. With the help of Commander Artoom, we uh, yeah. actually went to HIP 17044, Planet 1B, uh, and we went to the alien site there, which is at a latitude and longitude of negative 25.24 and 19.56, if you want to go there yourself, Commander. Yeah, and I mean, it was actually quite a bit of a trial to to yeah. get all the stuff. But I mean, we went uh, first. The first and easiest part was probably getting the unknown artifact. I mean, those are floating all throughout the Pleiades. Yeah, they're all um, over the place now. <laughs> it's pretty easy just to grab one. But then we had to find um, an unknown probe, and that was pretty much where the challenge lied. Or most of it lied, really, because that was when uh, I went ahead of you to the Pleiades because naturally Corvettes are a bit slower getting places mm-hmm. and of and course I mean you split up you cover more ground yeah yeah so I mean the hopes were uh, that you would get the probe and I would get the artifact right mm-hmm. yeah and then you were already closer to the uh, alien site so right. you would have headed over there as soon as you got there so hopefully we'd arrive around the same time yeah which actually was a pretty good plan because I did get the mm-hmm. artifact pretty quickly. And then the issue was that you couldn't actually find the probe very quickly. It actually took quite a while. And I, th- I think I actually was going to start jumping over to help you look because we were just taking forever to find it. Oh, yeah. We were floating around uh, Palladius Sector KC-U uh, B3-1 Planet 8 because... It's a heavy ammonia world, and and that's where we heard a lot of the probes were coming up around these ammonia planets. Um, and I mean, we must have been out there, just circling around that planet, looking for signal sources, and we found quite a few signal sources. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, every time we jumped in, though, it was never what we were looking for. You know, if we found anyone in distress, we'd help them out. Sure. Um, a lot of military convoys, though. <laughs> yeah, a lot of military convoys. Um, quite a bit of uh, destruction, actually, yeah, in the yeah. area. Yeah, a lot of wreckage sites. Um, mm-hmm. But eventually, we were joined by the plucky commander, Artum, who was also looking for an unknown probe. Uh, she seemed very excited to help us out. Uh, it's nice when you meet somebody who's, like, just willing to help <laughs> yeah, it doesn't just immediately interdict you or something like that. Maybe it kind of helped that she hadn't found an unknown probe as well. Like, we, we, we were pretty quick on that deal. Like, if you find one, 
we'll follow you. Yeah. <laughs> and if if we find one, you can follow us. And I guess uh, I guess it worked because pretty shortly thereafter, she found one. Yeah, and then we were on our way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Parking was fun. Yeah, actually, that was probably one of the hardest things besides finding the probe for me, at least, <laughs> because once you two got down, uh, well, for anyone who's not been there, it's a nice. What, from space, it looks like a nice open sort of crater, almost, with uh, the Thargoid technology or Thargoid architecture surrounding it. And the actual site is in the dead center of this crater. And mm-hmm. on the outside is a bunch of just dirt and plenty of prime real estate, one would say, for a ship to <laughs> plop on down. But no, because most of the area is actually very rocky. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was... she, she Commander Artube, she found one right away. She was yeah. just an ass. And I was in an anaconda, and I had the hardest time. I mean, I found, like, just one specific spot that I could just barely fit to land. Right. <laughs> and you brought an even bigger ship than that. Yeah, so. I brought my Corvette. And so finding parking was hard... Hard, very hard actually it's so hard that you guys I actually said to you guys just to go ahead and I'll just join you when I find a parking space but I actually couldn't at least for a little while and I decided to <laughs> against <laughs> what you guys were telling me I decided to enter the site in my condor yeah, and just leave my Corvette floating above somewhere and it made it kind of difficult because since your condor couldn't uh, carry any of the artifacts or probes uh, <laughs> the doors wouldn't respond no <laughs> it was almost like nothing was there you, I, you had to come and open the doors for me so that I could I think, uh, come in yeah there was like one point when I left a little too early it started to try to close around your tail <laughs> oh, yeah. and I had to to like run back before you yeah I got I got condor. my condor stuck in the in the little doorway to the uh, inner sanctum area. Well, eventually, luckily, you're able to find a, a spot to settle down. <laughs> and um, it was really cool inside. There were lots of little uh, Thargoid drone sort of things. I don't know what they were, but they were yeah. just floating around. They look like stuff. almost like fish, but they're mm-hmm. they're not fish. They're definitely some sort of mechanical or robotic uh, type of thing that flies around with its own propulsion system and just works around on the inside of the sites and lots of good data i mean yes (laughs) so many things to scan so much if you like scanning you're gonna do some scanning (laughs) and uh we found inside um an unknown link yeah was already in there which was pretty cool um and we we all grabbed one of these things and we took it to the center of of where this just the dead center of this base right and there's these sort of glowing pillars that we saw, and we put one object into each of them, and they rose up, and they just turned on this this map. Yeah, uh, it looked like a map, it looked almost like a star map, but it was very beautiful. Yeah, really cool, cool thing. Um, but the interesting thing was after it faded away, you know, after its sequence was done, um, we could scan and get a, a data from the console. I want to say it's a console. I'm not sure, but where, that that it. Uh, emitted the light from right yeah and it seems like only one of us could actually get the data at a time mm, it was really strange the sequence a few times yeah yeah but the cool thing was um i mean 
it was the data file was just a sound and it was really cool because uh, after we were done messing around we actually went up into space and brought the link and probe and 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 artifact with us and when we dropped them they would they would uh, like sort of communicate with each other send little pings and flashes of light and we could play the sound at them and they would start pointing in different directions right yeah and each uh, sound was actually unique because we got different directions each time which is mm-hmm. what we thought that must have been how the scientists at canon discovered all the alien sites by oh yeah the scientists you know, at canon you know they can't give them enough support they're like on the ball on they're the really ball good. that's all they are they're just <laughs> constantly finding the answers i think it's funny like one person goes hey i found an alien site and then canon's like yes we have also <laughs> seen that alien site we've just been there we've been there for about five minutes by the way there's like 200 more yeah. <laughs> uh, it's almost like they've been tipped off. They work so efficiently. Yeah. Well, their speed and efficiency always astounds me. It's uh, it's definitely thanks to them that we have a lot of made a lot of the discoveries that we have made, um, and that we can sort of try our best to adequately prepare for whatever is coming, regardless of whether it's benevolent or not. Yeah, really. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's definitely. I definitely suggest going out there. Oh yeah, for sure. It's it's definitely something to to see when when the map actually comes up because like he's like we're well yeah like we're saying it it looks like it's a star map of some galaxy, but when compared to the Milky Way, it doesn't really look like the Milky Way. So maybe it's some other galaxy where the Thargoids are colonizing or something. I don't know. I didn't. I don't really know much about them, to be honest, but it would be interesting to find out what the link is between them and this other thing, whatever it is. Yeah, I wonder if it has anything to do with um, the white dwarf stars or the neutron stars, even. Because, I mean, clearly the Thargoids have some, like, advanced control over witch space. I mean, they're very just poofing right in and out. (laughs) They don't really seem to be going particularly fast when they do it. Sort of a black hole even opens up. And as we know, the neutron stars and the white dwarf stars affect um, our frame shifts, our frame shift drives ability to uh, move through which space. Right. Yeah. So maybe, um, I don't know, maybe it's a map, something to do with that as well. A way for them to, like, uh, maybe, maybe they just know how to use that extra boost even farther than we do. Yeah. Maybe they've optimized their, uh, I don't, I don't want to say engines because it doesn't really look like engines when they, they fly around, but whatever it is, maybe they've optimized it enough to provide almost instantaneous warping between which space and I guess our current world. Yeah. I mean, and the most important thing I have to say that we learned from this adventure that we went on um, after Commander Artum. And, and we, we had said our goodbyes to her and she had gone along on her merry way. We went back down. And I mean, as you're looking at it from above, it's, you know, it's uh, shaped much like the ships, actually. Yeah. And it's flowered design. It's got these massive um, sort of arches that go over it. And the important thing is it is very fun to just jump your SRV right off the end. Yes, very much so. Yeah. I, I, we, I, I actually... Uh, Steven here jumped off of the tallest spire first and landed mm-hmm. somewhere near my court where my Corvette was parked. And uh, then I proceeded to try and land on my Corvette from <laughs> the tallest spire, but 
I, I believe I just missed it by a couple meters, but yeah, that I was mean, definitely a fun experience. It was it was really close, but I mean, it really does tell you how uh, big those spires are because from up there, the Corvette was such a small target, and you yeah. know it's such a big ship. I mean, I it mean, looks <laughs> almost like a condor from way up there. It was so yeah, small, so small. Uh, and like it took so long right for here. us to touch the ground too. I mean, it was. Oh like, yeah, we were just falling. <laughs> Especially with the occasional, like, boost for direction. I mean, that just <laughs> helped us fall slower. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm definitely uh, eager to see what the future brings us as we delve more and more into these Targoid mysteries. Oh, for sure, yeah. If it's more tall spires to jump off, then, hey, I'm down for oh, it. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cannon, you tell me where they are. I'll, I'll jump an SRV off of them. <laughs> all right. Well, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. Yeah, it sure is. Be sure to catch us on the next episode of the Radio Sidewinder Talk Show, and be sure to check out our uh, current holdings in Colonia, as well as hop in our pilots lounge on our Galnet page and mingle with other commanders. Absolutely, we're always uh, welcoming new people to come and join us. Um, well. I'm gonna go drink some more of that uh, some more of that rum. So this is Commander Steven Atronach signing off. And I'm Commander Felix Jefferson signing off. Fly safe, Commander. I